the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Cynthia Hyatt is a relationship expert, executive consultant, and life management coach. Cynthia Hyatt uses her 30 years of experience as a licensed psychotherapist to now offer in-office or concierge services through executive life coaching, consulting, and image management in order to help you be your own best version. Cynthia also specializes in speaking to groups worldwide about how to be successful in relationships, as well as artfully handling life's challenges. She has had many opportunities to present numerous educational seminars and lectures on a variety of motivational, inspirational, and mental health topics around the world. Please take a moment to visit her website at CynthiaHyatt.com. That's Cynthia, H-I-E-T-T dot com. Her Facebook page at Cynthia Hyatt Incorporated for current events, updates, and inspiration during your week, as well as all social media platforms. You can hear this show as a podcast on iTunes and many other podcast services. Follow her on Facebook and Instagram. Now, with today's fresh insight, here's Cynthia Hyatt. Well, good afternoon. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host, and you are listening to Conversations with Cynthia. Very glad that you tuned in, and I always want to thank you for telling your friends about the show. And it really is, I mean, I'm amazed that I've been doing it for this many years, and I love this station, KPXQ, because they have always been so good to me. And so I want to really tell you about weddings, and, you know, we, it's interesting in our day, in our, in our world today, that we kind of have started doing everything backwards. It's kind of like we do, you know, we, we start dating, then we live together, then we have children, then we finally buy a house together, and then we decide to get married. So it's kind of fascinating how this has occurred. And so I want us to look a little bit more deeply into the biblical story of the wedding at Cana. And to be sure, this is more than just a wedding. Because as we study this more deeply, we find a very progressive and relevant moment and many other moments such as family issues, gender differences, and an amazing miracle. So to many academicians and biblical scholars, we use the word, quote unquote, miracle much too loosely. And this may be true, however... I believe God is always glorified when we credit him with something that is truly miraculous to us. So the wedding at Cana is a story that's both beautiful in its outcome and it's rich in its life lessons. So I really think you're going to be encouraged and inspired to see that God can, will, and wants to do miracles in your life. So let's look at this. Now, I've had many, many opportunities to perform weddings, which is really one of my favorite things to do. 
And I was ordained many, many years ago by several pastors and, and churches, which was very honoring to me because typically women are not ordained. And so I was very grateful for it. And what I came to find was that one of the things I enjoyed the most about being ordained is doing weddings. And I have married so many of my clients. I've led them all through the relationship process and healing and learning how to be, you know, truly good for one another. And then I get to actually marry them. And so it's really been a lot of fun. And so I've officiated friends, I've done family members, I've done clients. And so I want you to think about this. When, when I really looked at this portion of the wedding ceremony, and I expanded, I, I'm expanding on the story of the wedding at Cana where Jesus turned water into wine. And it's one of those well-known and often recited miracles in the Bible, but it took on a completely new and different meaning for me. Actually, it kind of rocked my world. And so two things struck me like a flash of light. Well, the first miracle ever performed by Jesus was for family. Not only for family was it done, but it was done at the request of a family member for another family member. Now, Jesus initially said no, and then he relented. Secondly, I see the interaction Jesus, as a man, had with a woman. See, the gender implications were huge, amazing. I mean, it, was, it got me really curious. And it was interesting and quite humorous the deeper I examined and imagined this scene playing out. So think about this for a minute. Can you imagine Jesus at your family gathering? <laughs> I mean... <laughs> I think a lot of us would say, we better button everything up. We, we better, like, put on our best, you know, faces. We, we better really clean this up if Jesus is going to come to our family gathering. I mean, how would he act? What would he say? Would he keep, you know, to himself and draw people to interaction and relationship? Or would he just be consistently, you know, like, excusing himself while he goes and takes a breath at all the things he's hearing and seeing, Right. Well, at the wedding in Cana, we see how God, being a mortal man as Jesus, interacts with the mortal woman, Mary. And we see this poignant, intimate moment as Jesus behaves as a mortal man in a family interaction. See, once his ministry is in full swing, we rarely see Jesus as anything but the Son of God. Yet at the wedding in Cana, He's the son of God, but he's also the son of Mary. Think about that. He's the son of God and the son of Mary. So this family moment gives us a rare glimpse into Jesus as a man, a son, and as a God who loves. And we can glean so very much from this small interaction. In the story of the wedding feast at Cana, Jesus and his disciples were invited to a wedding celebration. Towards the end of the feast, when the wine was running out, Jesus commanded servants to fill jugs with water, which he then turned into wine. And this was his first miracle. So isn't that interesting? Jesus as a man and still God is having firsts 
in his life. And so this is the first wedding for this couple, and these are the first interactions and miracles that Jesus is, is producing. And so in John chapter 2, verses 1 through 11, this is what it says. It states that when the party ran out of wine, Jesus' mother, named in John's gospel, told Jesus they have no wine. And Jesus replied, this is quote, quote unquote, right? Oh, woman, what has this to do with me? Now, does that sound like a man? <laughs> it makes me laugh because I'm like, many times my husband says, well, what, what do you want me to do about it, right? And so what happened was then Jesus ordered the servants to fill the containers with water and to draw out some and take it to the chief steward. After tasting it, without knowing where it came from, the steward remarked to the bridegroom that he had departed from the custom of serving the best wine first by serving it last. And so John adds that Jesus did this, the first of his signs in Cana of Galilee, and it revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. Now, isn't that interesting? We, I, I think we all kind of took for granted that the disciples that were following Jesus around everywhere believed in him. But here we have this, that he did his, this is the first signs that he is truly the son of God in Cana of Galilee, and it revealed his glory, and now the disciples believe in him. Now, you're in good company here. There's many times where in my life I have wanted something to happen. I have hoped something would happen. I've prayed to have something happen. But I wasn't really sure it was going to happen. I wasn't sure Jesus was going to do anything for me at all. I didn't know if God even noticed. And so for these people, they've been walking around with him for quite some time. They're his band. They're his brothers, right? They're his, his dudes. And they finally believed in him. So I say this to you so that you don't shame yourself. It's hard to believe in something you can't see. It's hard to believe in something that people have messed up. I mean, I'm sure you've gone to a church. I'm sure you've met people that purported to be Christians and they did something egregious. And you say to yourself, I don't want to be like them. So I want you to know that this is how the disciples felt as well. So they were coming into this new awareness of, wow, this guy really is, really is the son of God. And so Jesus did this in Cana of Galilee, and he revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. So let's look at some different translations to get a little deeper, broader, more intimate look at this interaction. So I like to look at several different translations, particularly for this one, as a way to hear the tone or the implicit emotions and the tenor of this particular special and very, quote unquote, telling moment in time. So in the voice Bible, Jesus says, dear woman, is it our problem they miscalculated when buying wine and inviting guests? My time has not arrived. Interesting. Think about that. Does that not sound like a man? He's saying, it's not my problem. They're the ones that miscalculated when buying wine and inviting guests. And then he says, my time has not arrived. So he's saying to her, 
I, I can't do anything about this. I, I'm not ready to do that. I haven't come into my own. And so many times, can you relate to that? That we are maybe asked to do something that we're not ready to do. That we're saying, hey, I, I haven't figured this all out yet. I can't do that. I'm not able to do that. But instead, Jesus said, wow, for these people, for my mom, I will. So the Living Bible says this, that Jesus said it like this. I can't help you now. It isn't yet time for miracles. So has God ever said no to you? And maybe said, you know, it's not time for this miracle yet in your life. You're not ready for it. You're not going to be able to take it in and really, really appreciate and have it change you the way that I needed to change you. So it's not time for that miracle yet. So the Good News Translation said, you must not tell me what to do. Jesus is saying to his mom, don't tell me what to do. My hour has not yet come. Again, he says, it's not time. It's not time yet. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the next segment as we talk more about this amazing interaction at the the wedding in Cana. Welcome back to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host. Thank you for joining in today. And I want to make sure that you take advantage of the website. It's CynthiaHyatt.com. Lots of things are there for you. We have study guides. We have, you know, different kinds of things that can really help you in really becoming the best version of you. So make sure you take advantage of that. We also have all of the shows are recorded, and you can listen to them on your favorite podcast. It goes all the way back for years. And so I want you to take advantage of that as well and make sure that you tell your friends and family about it. So today we're talking about weddings, and this is one of my favorite things to talk about. And this is more than just a wedding. This is the wedding at Cana. And it gives us such a great understanding and glimpse of Jesus and how he is truly a man and how he handled his family. And so I've done lots of weddings for people, and I love doing that. I've married many of my clients as they've done a lot of premarital with me, and I've married family members, I've married friends. And so it's always a great honor, and especially for me as a woman, because that's kind of unusual. But I I truly thank God for that. And so I want you to ask yourself, what would it be like if Jesus was at your family gathering? I mean, (laughs) oh my goodness, right? What would we do? We certainly would think to ourselves, this is not going to be very much fun, is it? And so how how would he act? What would Jesus say? And would he keep himself or, you know, keep to himself or draw people into interaction with him? Well, when we look at this story of the wedding in Cana, this is the first place that he actually performed miracles. And so we left off when we were talking about the different translations in the Bible and to really be able to understand what these interactions looked like with Jesus. So he's really showing up as the son of Mary. He's not trying to be this, you know, God in, in the presence of these people. He's a family member. He's part of this family. 
And so we were looking at these different versions of the Bible when, when Mary came to him and said, hey, we're, we've run out of wine. And what, is, what does Jesus say? Well, in the voice version of the Bible, he says, dear woman, it, it, it's not our problem. They miscalculated when buying wine and inviting guests. And he says, my time has not arrived. It's not time for me to do anything about this. So think about that. Does that sound like a man to you? Well, this isn't our problem. They, they're the ones that miscalculated. In the Message Bible, it says, is that any of our business? Mother, yours or mine? This isn't my time. Don't push me. I, I'm fascinated by the word choice because this is how men talk with women many times. So we see that Jesus is truly God in the flesh. So the Living Bible says, I, I can't help you now. It isn't time yet for my miracles. So he's saying, hey, it's not time. I'm not doing it right now. So you need to wait. So the Good News translation, this is fascinating. This is how Jesus responded to his mother. You must not tell me what to do. Jesus replied, my time has not yet come. So have you ever had a man say, don't tell me what to do. It's not time. I'm not ready for it yet. The international version says, woman, why do you involve me? <laughs> this is like fascinating to me. How many times, does this sound like a man to you or not? So he says, my hour has not yet come. So no, this, what does your concern have to do with me? What am I supposed to be doing here? So the first revelation about this story is that it's all about family. So we see in this reading that the first miracle God performed on earth was for a family situation. In a family, for a family, for his family. God loves family, and we are his family. And what we see in the story of Cana is that Mary had a need, and to her it was significant. Now think about that. When we've done all these different shows on gender differences, think about that, the right there, that insight. Mary had a need, and to her, it was significant. She needed a miracle. And if Jesus didn't do something, it wouldn't get done. See, this is another gender issue. How many times do we as women say, this is super important to me. I need you to do this. And maybe your husband, <clears throat> your son, a coworker, they're like, no, it doesn't have anything to do with me. I'm not doing that. And so this is where we learn that, hey, when we're in family, this is, this is the story of a family. And Jesus was being a regular, he's a, he's a mortal man as well as the Christ, and he's interacting in his family. He's like, what does that have to do with me? I'm not ready to do anything yet, so I'm going to say no. And this is where we want to really understand that she needed a miracle. And if Jesus didn't do something, it would not get done. See, families are extremely important to God. And we are his family. And he is willing and wanting to perform miracles in our families and in our lives. Yet Jesus did not initially want to do anything about the problem. Jesus said, what concern is this of mine? Maybe it wasn't a concern of his. Maybe he was looking at the bigger picture. And the need for wine wasn't significant in the bigger picture. But it was very important, very significant to Mary. And so she went to the one person who could make it happen. 
Now, I have felt this way many times with my husband. And I know there are some things that he can make happen that I can't make happen. And I've always really appreciated the fact that even if he balked a little bit, even if he stepped back and said, ah, you know, I, I can't do that or I don't want to do that, because it's me, he says, okay, I can make that happen for you. I'll do that. And this is where we really want to see that, wow, this is how mortal men operate And we want to honor that. It doesn't mean that they're allowed to be jerks. Jesus wasn't being a jerk. He was just being a a guy. He was being a mortal man. So this is what we want to think about. We need to go to the one person that can make what, quote unquote, we think is significant happen and to believe that it is significant to him. So go to the one person that has the ability to make happen what we need happen. And this is always going to be God first. Go to God first. He will talk to you about the significance of it, the timing of it, if he's going to do it or not. And if he's not going to do it, it's a, it's a trust issue for us to say, would, he loves me. He died on the cross for me. Why would he say no? And this is what parents are like, right? Parents say no to things that we can't believe they say no to. And maybe it really hurts our feelings. And maybe we start to lose faith in that person because they said no. But this is the trust issue. This is families. This is relationship. And so what happened here? She went to the one person that had the ability to make it happen. Why? Because that's his family. And he loves family. And he made it happen. So think about that. Jesus modeled the perfect role of a human man. A human man, a perfect human man. And that's what I see in this biblical setting. That, wow, that helps us as women to recognize that we don't want to expect a man to be a man in a a woman's body or a woman in a man's body. We want to recognize that they respond differently than we do and what we may want. Join me in the next segment. Welcome back. You're listening to Conversations with Cynthia. Thank you so much for tuning in and sharing all of these different podcasts that I do with all of your friends and family. I appreciate it because a lot of the reason... I started doing radio was because I wanted people to get these messages and many people don't have the resources to maybe see a therapist or a psychiatrist or any of these kinds of things. And maybe they can read all about this stuff, but maybe they need some illumination about how to apply it. So I'm grateful for you listening, sharing this with your friends. And I really like talking about this particular topic. And this is, I, I, I kind of titled it this way, More Than Just a Wedding. And this is about the wedding in Cana. And so this this idea of really seeing Jesus as as a mortal man. He's mortal. He's God. He's the Christ. But he acted exactly like a man. Now, a good man, absolutely, he acted like a wonderfully good man. But he still was a man. And it was helpful for me when I read this 
to see this interaction between he and his mother and how he is exactly like a mortal man. And so the interaction was a unique glimpse into Jesus as a man. See, when he he states to his mother, this is no concern of mine, reveals that he's not worried about the wine running out. He didn't see the need and wasn't pulled by the concern, but he did fulfill the need. See, he wasn't worried about it. Now, how many times have we been interacting with you know, male co-workers, our, our fathers, our husbands, our sons, and they are not getting how important this is to us, whatever it may be. And maybe we need to say, you know, maybe I need to give them some time. Or maybe I need to say to them, I understand this is not, you're not grasping why this is so important to me. And I know you're not ignoring it because you don't love me. I know that you're not understanding it through your purview as why this would be important. But I have to tell you, this is important to me, really important to me. And that helps men to be able to say, oh, I'm looking at it through my eyes, through my experience, and I'm wanting to discount it. What I need to do is listen with different ears to her experience. And so this is what happened. Jesus says, this is no concern of mine. What, why are you even talking to me about this? I'm not, he wasn't worried about the wine running out. He didn't see the need, but he did fulfill the need. See, Mary trusted him to take care of it or to let it go. She wasn't going to fight. She wasn't going to fight with it or contend with him. But she wasn't, you know, she, she really wanted to let him know this is important to me. She was not willing to let it not happen at all. It was still Jesus' choice. He was not bullied or nagged or provoked into action. He had Mary's trust. No bargaining was involved, no manipulation. Jesus understood that the wine problem was a great concern to her. So like a good man, he knew it mattered to her. So he made it his concern. Not only did he make it his concern... But he did more for her than she asked. He didn't talk her out of the need or belittle the need or do it begrudgingly. But he actually gave more wine than she needed. And he actually created the wine that was of the highest quality. So this is so amazing about men. Once they join in, once they say, okay, I'm in, I'm going to do it for you. They do great work. And so we as women many times have to not let ourselves initially get so hurt or so offended or so bent out of shape when the first thing they say is no. And I remind women, usually men say no first. With women, we usually say yes first. And then we say no. Men usually say no, and then they say yes. So this Jesus role modeling for men is a lesson for men. There are many things that are of no concern to men, but they are of great concern to the women in your life. Jesus is considered the groom and we are the bride. So men, if it concerns her, it needs to concern you. If she comes to you with a concern and it doesn't concern you, you need to make it your concern and help her. Jesus helped Mary. He entered into her life and made her life important to him. 
He helped her in what she was trying to achieve. Men, you are the leader, the protector, the provider, the covering. Follow the lead of your Savior and help the women in your life. Make their lives easier. Kindness, gentleness, mercy. When you're not understanding why this is so important to this woman that you love. Join me in the next segment as we talk more about this amazing miracle of the wedding in Cana. Welcome back. You're listening to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host. Thank you for tuning in today and for sending the shows to all of your friends and encouraging your friends and family to listen to the shows because this is a great way to get some information that otherwise you may not be able to get. And I, I have certainly been a longtime therapist, a psychotherapist for the last, I don't know, many years. And then I decided, you know, oh, I don't want to be a psychotherapist anymore. It's, you know, I've been doing it for 20 years. And so God gave me this great way to like segue. And he said, well, Cynthia, why don't you be a life coach? Because that's kind of what you're doing with your show. And that's kind of what you do at your church with your friends, with your family and in your practice. And so it was really helpful to be able to transition in that way. And, and I love it. I'm so excited. I get to see so many different people in different ways and interact in their lives in, in many different ways than I would have when I was a licensed psychotherapist. So I'm glad to be talking with you today. And I am talking about one of my favorite concepts, and that is the gender differences with men and women. And so the wedding at Cana gives such illumination to what God is doing in our lives and how he has created men and how he has created women. And much of what I do in my practice with many of the couples and families I work with is helping them to really be able to recognize this is what men do. Now, men still have to be good men. And it's the same thing I say with, with women. I say to men, this is what women do. This is natural to them. It's kind of like when we look at different breeds of animals, what is natural to them to do? Well, our cat likes to scratch the couch. It's natural for her to do it. We have to work hard on getting her to not do that one particular piece of furniture instead of the scratching post that she has, right? So we understood that when we got a cat, she also probably has to have a litter box. If we have a dog, we don't have to have a litter box for a dog. So it's recognizing the differences between men and women and that there are some biological, physiological, psychological issues that are in the breed. And so uh, when I looked at this idea of the wedding in Cana, the first place Jesus performed a miracle, we see so many things when it comes to gender differences. And so we left off talking about this idea that John chapter, John chapter 2, verses 1 through 11, states that when the party ran out of wine, Jesus' mother said, they have no wine. And Jesus replied, 
Oh, woman, what does this have to do with me? And his mother then said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. So Jesus ordered the servants to fill containers with water and to draw out some and take it to the chief steward. After tasting it without knowing where it came from, the steward remarked to the bridegroom that he had departed from the custom of serving the best wine first by serving it last. And John adds that Jesus did this, the first of his signs in Cana of Galilee, and he revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. So let's look a little different, some different translations, and get a deeper, broader, more intimate look at this interaction. Well, I like to look at several interactions and translations, particularly for this one, as a way to hear the tone and maybe the implicit emotions, the tenor of this particularly special and very telling moment. And so we talked in the last segment about this. In the voice, that that particular Bible version, the voice, Jesus says, Dear woman, is it our problem they miscalculated when buying wine and inviting guests? My time has not arrived. He says, I'm not ready to do anything about this. And in the Message Bible, it says, Is that any of our business, mother, yours or mine? This isn't my time. Don't push me. How about this? The Living Bible says, I can't help you now. It's not time for my miracles. And the Good News translation says, Don't tell me what to do. Jesus replied, My time has not yet come. And the New International Version says, Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, My hour has not yet come. And in the King James Version, it says, Woman, why does this concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. So this is about gender and about family. And so when we see this, we see that Jesus really modeled the perfect role of a human man. And, and I talk to women in my office many times about this and understanding that, you know, we, I say to women, he's not a man. He's not a woman. He's a man. So you wanted a man. You looked for a man. You fell in love with a man. You got a man. Now, I hold all the men in my office very accountable for being good men because just being in their natural way can be hurtful. They're, they're harsher than we are. And we, we like things to be, you know, kind of prettied up a little bit when we're telling something to, to someone that's a hard truth. And so Jesus understood that the wine problem was of great concern to his mother. It mattered to her. So what did he do? He was a good man. He made it his concern. Not only did he make it his concern, but he did more for her than she asked. He didn't talk her out of the need. He didn't belittle her. He didn't do it begrudgingly. He actually gave her more wine than she needed and created wine that was of the highest quality. This is Jesus' role modeling for men. It's a lesson for men. There are many things that are of no concern to men, but are of great concern to the women in your life. Jesus is considered the groom and we are the bride. So men, if it concerns her, it needs to concern you. If she comes to you with a concern and it doesn't concern you, you need to make it your concern and help her. Jesus helped Mary. He entered into her life, made her life important to him, and he helped her in what she was trying to achieve. See, men, you are the leader, the protector, the provider, the covering. So you need to follow the lead of your Savior 
and help those who need the help. And so this is where Jesus, you know, he didn't say, hey, I'm unwilling to do this. I'm bored. I don't want to do it. Right. I don't have time for this. What happened was he said to the head servant, he said, hey, this is important. And so she trusted who he was and he didn't let her down. And so this is what I want you to think about. When, when Mary was talking to Jesus, see, when we go to men in our lives and ask them to help us, it's the same way how many times we go to God and ask help from him and tell him what to do for us, right? How many times have you gone to God and said, hey, this is what I really need. Why aren't you making it happen? And so we're all guilty of this at, at one time or another. However, think about this. Mary didn't say, it's just not working. Fix it. Or I need beverages and then expect Jesus to know what type of beverage. He may have initially objected because he was not yet to his time. But he did what she asked. And what is even more remarkable is that he went above and beyond what she requested, making it better and more impressive than she could have imagined. He did more than what she asked, immeasurably more. This is love. See, she made her request known, specifically known, and then believed in both his willingness and ability to do it. She didn't help him. She didn't start telling him all these different ways that he could do it, how quickly it needed to be done. She simply said, thank you, and believed that he would do it. So it was odd that she would go to Jesus for this concern, but when she went to him, because she knew he was able to do it. And then he told the servants what to do. So when we go to him first, he directs his servants in what to do. Think about that. I'm one of God's servants. So he oftentimes directs me in what to do. And so sometimes he does it on his own. He just does it for you. I've had Jesus just do things for me. But many times... It's important for me to be able to say, this is what I need, and I trust God that you're going to give me what I need, even if it's different or a, a little different. Um, maybe it's, a, it's not quite exactly what I was asking for, but in the end, it's always better. So we must go to the person that will make what we think is significant, significant to him. Go to the one person that has the ability to make what we need to have happen, happen. See, I like to tell people that I, this is what I practice. And I always call it the horizontal, vertical. And, and it's hard to explain sometimes. But I try in my life to go horizontally, which means I go up. I pray up to God first. And then I go vertically. Then I ask someone. But I first go to God and I find out if he's even in what I'm thinking. And I can tell you, I've had lots of ideas, lots of ideas that I tried to sell God on and he wasn't in them. And then I would have some ideas that I thought, I don't even know if God would be interested in this one, but I kind of like it. And then it like takes off like a, like a storm it w- and it just happened. And so that's the trust that God loves to have from us. So when we tell this, 
See, Jesus' miracle, that's, that's what came before his time. He wasn't even prepared in his own way. He wasn't even thinking he would be performing miracles. So how many men, you know, men, how many of you have thought, I can't do this, I'm not ready to do this. And then you did it, and you did it even better than you thought. See, that's the same thing Jesus did. He did stuff before his time. He said, hey, I'm not ready for that. But it needed to happen. And so in front of everyone in her community, in, the, in, in Mary's community, everything she cared about, Jesus made her the rock star. See, God wants to do immeasurably more than you could ever ask or imagine. You simply need to let your concerns be known. But here's, here's the other really important thing. You need to trust him with the rest. So I've given God a lot of ideas that I thought he would really love and make happen. And many of the ideas that I thought were great, he was like, nah, I'm not into that one. And then there's other ideas I had that I thought, well, maybe this, this could be a good thing. And it just, wow, exploded. So this is trust. I either trust God or I don't. So make your concerns known to God. And then believe that he will direct his servants to address your concerns, just as he did for Mary in Cana. Ask for the miracle and trust that he knows what you really need. And his timing is perfect. And he loves you more than anything. And so he's careful with time, what he gives you, how he gives it to you, because he wants it to actually heal you, complete you, and cause you to be more than you ever could imagine being. So remind yourself, family is very important to God, very important to God. And you are his family. You belong to God. He claims you as his family. And so he would never reject. He would never deride. He would never say no because he was lazy or because he just wanted to spite you. So this is how we understand God through this story of Jesus. Thank you so much for joining me today. I look forward to talking to you next week. Have a great and blessed week. We hope this past hour has been encouraging, motivating, and inspiring to you. The messages and teachings shared during the show are given as a way to reach you, the listener, with ideas and insights on how you may not only improve your life, but have more successful and meaningful relationships as you become the best version of you. Cynthia is available as a keynote speaker or guest speaker for your corporate or spiritual events. Cynthia is able to customize a message for any audience attending a meeting, retreat, or conference. In addition to this, she oftentimes partners her messages with music as she is a singer and musician. Please contact her through her website at CynthiaHyatt.com. If you missed any part of this program, you can download the most current show from her website at CynthiaHyatt.com or hear a replay on your favorite podcast server. Please Take a moment to visit her Facebook page at Cynthia Hyatt Incorporated and leave your ideas and comments 
about today's show. Now, be your own best version. Be my heart mender, my soul tender, the keeper of my life. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.